Well, Happy New Year. Welcome to Hope. We're so glad to have you here today. Uh, let's join in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day and for this year that you have given us to celebrate 2023. And Father, as we gather here on this morning, we ask that you would be in our midst and remind us today, Lord, that Jesus not only came for Christmas, but that he came for the cross. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Speak to us as we open up your word, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's church said, Amen. Well, glad to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us for worship. My name is Ben, one of the pastors here. And New Year's is a brand new opportunity to reflect on uh, the previous year. And as I've been reflecting on uh, some things in my own life this past year, one of the things I've recognized is that the times that I've preached my worst were the times that I focused on myself the most. And the times that I preach what I felt was my best were the times that I was the most focused on God. A couple years back, it was 2019. Uh, in January, if you remember, that was the time it was about 50 below. Uh, there was a pastor's conference in Minneapolis that I went to, and uh, there were thousands of people gathered at this conference. It was just an absolute joy. And one of the speakers got up. He was a pastor of a local church in the area, and he was beginning to talk to us about the importance of humility and, uh, and contentment in shepherding. And I'll never forget, he got up and one of the main things that he said right off the bat is your job as a shepherd of the flock is to feed the flock, not to feed on them. And I just remember thinking to myself, man, this made so much sense to me because to feed the flock spiritually is an act of service. But to feed on the flock is an act of disservice. And I think this is just what Peter is proclaiming in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 through 3. Listen to what he says. He says, be shepherds of God's flock. He's writing out to pastors that is under your care, watching them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain. Listen to what he says. But eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. I remember hearing his words and it just struck me in my soul because I was pretty young at the time, not in pastoral ministry yet. I was an intern here at the church. And I began to recognize that if I enter into ministry and focus overly too much on myself, I'll not only fail to do the very thing that God has called me to do in shepherding his flock, but unintentionally, I'll actually do the very opposite of what I intended to do, and I'll end up actually feeding off the flock and, and using them to try to fill this void in my life that only God himself can fill. It's this reminder that in our lives, we're called to strive for lives of humility, not of pride, because humility has the power to bless, but pride only destroys. So my question this morning is, in a world full of pride, we see it everywhere, what do we do? To which Peter responds, we serve. Because in serving others, we take our eyes off of ourselves. And we place them onto a God who has humbly served us with his very life and sacrificed everything by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Today we're beginning a brand new series following Christmas, the birth of Christ into the world. We're calling this new series Stronghold. 
It's written in Psalm chapter 18, verse two. This is what King David writes. He says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. The real core and crux of what we're gonna talk about in this series is that our God is our stronghold who breaks our strongholds. Can I get an amen? He's a God who, yes, is right there with us, and when sin has got a tight grip on our lives, God's grip is tighter. And so what we're gonna look at in the series is uh, something known as the seven deadly sins. And I wanna kind of preface this series by saying that all sin is deadly. It's not that some is and some is not. We see Romans 3, 23, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then forward to Romans 6, 23, the wages of our sin, what we've earned because of our sin, is death. And so it's not that some sin is deadly and some sin is not deadly, but when we talk about the seven deadly sins, these are almost the like foundational root sins that spring out every other kind of sin into our life. And so today we're going to talk about the sin of pride. Pride is often referred to as the chief of all other sin. And as I was preparing for this morning, I was talking to Pastor Ben Jacobson, and uh, this is what he said to me. He said, what do pride and summer have in common? They both come before a fall. He's the dad Joe king of the year, so I, I am a dad as well, but I, am a, I have a long ways to go. Uh, but there's something to be said about that, that all pride leads to a fall, Pride can't lead to anything fruitful. It can't lead to anything productive or good in our lives. It only leads to destruction. It's not something that is a minor inconvenience. If we're not careful with pride, it'll not only destroy your life, but it'll also destroy your very soul. So the question today is, how do we cling to Christ as our stronghold as we live inside a world where we ourselves are filled with pride? And to kind of answer this question, we're going to look at our gospel today, Luke chapter 14, verse 7 through 14, and Jesus is really going to give us some guidance as to what this looks like in our daily lives. To kind of give a little context for the passage, uh, in verse 1 of Luke chapter 14, it says that Jesus was invited to the home of a prominent Pharisee. We don't know exactly who this Pharisee was. We never got a name, but it's likely someone who is highly viewed with high importance, uh, highly valued in the religious community. And he invited Jesus over for supper, but as we begin to dissect the passage, it becomes pretty clear that the Pharisee did not invite Jesus over to you know, show him out of the kindness of his heart and to, to share this meal with him, but he invited Jesus to come to his house to try to get him to slip up to try to show him in his fault and try to dethrone uh, Jesus in this way. They knew exactly what they were doing. We know this is the case because at the end of verse one, it says that they were watching him closely. Little did they know, Jesus knew what exactly was going on and verse seven comes up and we see that not only were they observing some things about him, but he was also observing some things that were taking place at the table as well. So we get to verse seven and this is what it says. It says, when he noticed how the guests picked the place of honor at the table, he told them this parable. And so before we jump into the parable, it's, it's important for us to see he's at this table, they're sharing this meal, and, and he begins to observe that there's maybe places of higher importance and there's people of lower importance. And they're choosing certain places at the table depending on how important maybe they feel that they are. 
And so as a response to this, he shares this parable. A parable is a story that communicates to us a heavenly truth. And this is what he says. He says, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the hosts who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. And then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So these verses really act for us as a foundation for the journey that Jesus is gonna take us on here this morning. It's likely Jesus didn't just come up with this parable out of nowhere, but he, he was communicating this to the Pharisees who were experts in the law of the Old Testament. And they would have known everything to do with the Old Testament, including Proverbs chapter 25, verse six through seven, which says this, do not exalt yourself in the king's presence and do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. You see, in sharing this parable, he's really showing the Pharisees at the table that they have violated the scripture, that they have fallen short in this area. It's likely that Jesus uh, was warning those around him to not take the greatest place of honor because it's only human nature to take the most important, to take our favorite place. Nobody likes to sit in the back of the church, unless you're Lutheran. This is something that we do for some reason. We always like the best seat. We want the most important place of prominence. But in all of this, Jesus is not saying that there's not more highly distinguished people. There's not less distinguished people. There's not higher and there's not greater. It's not that there's not a difference because there appears to be. But he says, when you begin to view yourself as more highly distinguished the moment you begin to view your own self as more important, the only thing that can happen to you now is that you're gonna be humiliated when inevitably asked to leave the best seat for the lesser seat. You're gonna be humbled. But if you choose the lesser seat, if you choose the, the secondary seat first, the only thing that can happen to you is you'll be exalted. You'll be honored by all the other guests when asked to leave the lesser seat for the greater seat. This is all that he's helping us to do. What's the bottom line in all of this? It's verse 11. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. So how do we define pride in all of this? Pride is living in such a way that we are setting ourselves up to be humiliated and not exalted. We're setting ourselves up into a place where we can only be moved back because we've placed ourselves at such a high level. It's placing us up here and others down here. Placing ourselves before other people and even before God. You see, and that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. That's what their entire livelihood was being sophisticated, being in high status and seen in high regard by those around them. They would constantly invite people to their homes of this high social status so that they could be praised by these people without any actual genuine attention to worshiping a real holy God. 
They didn't care about God. They wanted to be seen as greater. And so what Jesus has done for us in all of this is he, he set the table. He set for us the, the foundation. But then as we're going to see in verses 12 through 14, not only does he continue to build the foundation, but he actually propels us forward to a challenge. Now, I want to share that challenge with you here today because it's going to really be powerful for each of us. Verse 12, Then Jesus said to the host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or even your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And in doing so, you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So in all this, is Jesus saying when you invite people to your house, don't invite your friends. Don't invite your family members, your relatives, your, your neighbors. Is that really what we're taking away? No, that's not what he's trying to say. What he's, what he's trying to say is when you do invite your, your neighbors, when you do invite your friends and your family members, don't move forward and, and just puff yourselves up as if you've done this humble, sacrificial thing because the reality is, is they're, they're going to turn right around and return the favor. See, it's this mutual relationship. We have certain people in our lives where we love and care for them, they love and care for us back. We serve them, they serve us back. And so he's saying, don't fix our eyes so much on that, but instead when you invite people over, when you host a banquet, invite the poor. Invite the lame, the crippled. Invite the blind. Why is he saying this? Because we know when we invite these people, we will not be repaid back until the resurrection of the righteous. See, it's almost these, these words reminding me of those words from Matthew chapter five, uh, 25. If you remember, Jesus said, whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. But whatever you didn't do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Powerful words. I think when we just step back from all this, we just see a beautiful proclamation of the gospel in this passage. Think about it with me. Who initially were spiritually the blind ones? the ones who are lame, the ones who are crippled, the ones who are poor. It was us. When we were poor, God bestowed upon us the riches of his grace by shedding his own blood on the cross. When we were weak and lame and crippled, God poured out on us his own strength by the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that we could not have done ourselves. When we were blind, he opened up our eyes, not just to see things physically in this world, but to see his eternal truth. You see, this is what our God has done for us. He has prepared the way for us to walk in alignment with him. Therefore, when we move forward here and ask the question, how do we deal with pride in our lives? We have to recognize that it all begins with us first. How do we deal with pride? How do we rely on Jesus Christ as our stronghold, we first had to recognize that he was able to do something for us that we weren't able to do for ourselves and there's no way that you and I could ever in return pay him back. He shed his blood on a cross so that we not only could just live better lives but that we could be forgiven. 
And now in an attitude of humility, what we get a chance to do is to move forward in our lives and we get to reciprocate the same humble service, the same sacrifice to the people in our own lives. So I just wanna ask you here today, when's the last time you humbly served or sacrificed something of yourself in a way that someone was served but they weren't able to pay you back? When's the last time you just humbly gave yourself your time, your treasure, your treasure, your talent. You see, this is not necessarily a salvation issue. It's not about doing these things so that we can be right with God, be saved. We're not saved by our good works. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. But we do these things because God has first done them for us. We humbly love and we humbly serve one another because our God has first humbly loved and humbly served us. Now, I just want to be honest. That's why I'm a pastor at this church because I've seen for years how you as the people of hope, the congregation, have just humbly served and sacrificed your own time, your own treasure, your own talent, not only to humbly serve one another, but also people in our community. It's just amazing to see you at work. We are an active congregation. Right before Christmas, we partner with the Salvation Army, and so many of you help prepare and pack meals and presents for families who wouldn't have any food for Christmas or kids who wouldn't have any presents. Over a 1,000 meals were given to families in our community who otherwise would not have had any food for Christmas. 1,300 kids received a gift, a toy that they could celebrate. They could just be a kid. They didn't have to worry about all of the stressors of life. And with all of these, they also received the best thing, which was an invitation to join us in worship in celebrating the greatest news ever told, that a Savior has been born to us. And so that was Christmas time. As we head into the new year, we're not slowing down. I know there's just a couple things I want to highlight as we head into this new year. In January here, January 14th, as the people of hope, we're going to go down to the Fargo Dome. We're going to pack meals for people who are hungry in third world countries who really just need food. It's through Feed My Starving Children. We're going to do this and we're going to humbly serve and sacrifice ourselves so that people have the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus and to have food. And then on February 9th, we're going to do something again that we do every year. It's a night we call Night to Shine. It's a night where we invite people from all over the community into our church who have special needs, and we just celebrate them. We don't expect anything from them. We, we don't ask anything. We just honor and celebrate and have them uh, provide for them a prom night where they can just be the ones with the crown, the ones that we get a chance to uplift and love and be kind to and serve because they have done those things for us. So I wanna encourage you, man, if this is something that you're able to do, please do it. We have to do it as a church. If you want more information, there's more information on your bulletin. You can find for Fee My Serving Children. You have to sign up online before you go. And then uh, Night to Shine coming up, we could use a ton of volunteers to just make this the best night of their lives. If you're not able to do any of those things, it's okay. My challenge for you would be do something this year. Find some way that you're able to sacrifice yourself in a way that you know that in this life on earth you will not be able to be paid back. The reality is, is when we do this, Christ acts as our stronghold and all pride will be destroyed. And so, in a world full of pride, drowning in it, as followers of Jesus, what do we do? Peter says, Jesus says, we serve. Because in serving one another, we take our eyes off of ourselves 
and place them not only to one another, but onto a God who has exemplified this by humbling himself and giving his own life for us on a cross, by sacrificing his very life. And the question for us here today is, will you humbly sacrifice and serve and give everything in your life for him? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that by your blood you have set us free and that you have given us the riches of your grace. You have given us strength to live the Christian life and you have opened up our eyes, Lord, that we would see you for who you are. Father, as we move forward into this new year celebrating what you've done in the year past, I pray, Lord, that you would place before us this mission and ministry that you have called to encourage all people, Lord, both in our church and our entire world, to know the love of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And all God's church said, amen. amen.